Good morning. It's time for the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. With Kern County's most listened to realtor and the host of our show, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. Just Google the McCarty Group. That's M double C A R T Y or call 661 665 sold. That's 661 665 7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? Uh, doing pretty good, but I had a situation at the house. Uh-oh. And, and, uh, and I like to share it as, as I'm moving up okay. in the world. But when I lived in an apartment, the above-ground pool was in the front yard. <laughs> Landlord didn't like it, right? <laughs> so, so now that we bought a house a few years back, I'm all like, well, I want to get a pool. But in between, mm-hmm. let's put our above-ground pool up for now. That thing that has no value? No value except to cool you off in the summer. If right. Your friends don't invite you over anymore. Right, <laughs> right, have right. A pool, they're like, no, you and your kid, no, 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 you're not coming over in our pool. So, um, but I go out this morning and it's half full and I'm like, what the heck? What happened? Well, luckily it's not a hole, okay. but one of the tubes popped off the filter. <gasps> so it's like, ah. ah. So. so were your neighbors upset that you had flooded their yard? <laughs> uh, uh, didn't get that bad, thank okay. goodness. But there's a little mud buildup in the back lawn, so, ah. so you know it's uh it's that grass area will be nice and green in a couple of days. Uh huh. It sure will. <laughs> and when it fills back up, you're invited to come on over. All right, sounds good. <laughs> so how's your weekend going? Well, it has been great so far. Before the show, I went out to breakfast uh, with some friends. It had been it had been a minute since uh, mm. we had seen each other, so it was great to catch up. Um and I got to tell you, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, I don't have anything on the agenda except Mm. catching up on some Netflix. Nice. (laughs) So it's going to be my veg out day. Nice. Um, And I'm pretty sure, you know, after the show, you're going to be taking care of, you know, that mud hole in the, <laughs> the mud hole right? filling it up too and i know people it's kind of silly people make fun of us whatever but hey man i grew up in southern illinois that was a thing absolutely and what's great about the above ground pool uh-huh at the end of the summer you take it down you get your lawn back and it's football season you go and play a catch in the backyard well looky there i never <laughs> even thought of it that way it's a lot of fun. shame on me for being one of those people who would give you grief over having that 
above ground it's, pool. It's pretty silly, but hey. No, but I'll, I like I'll that it. because you're absolutely right. When you have an in-ground pool, there's no reclaiming that yard to, uh, you know, throw the football in the fall. Yes, and, and swimming in December. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah. Too cold. Too no, cold. No, way too cold. <laughs> hey, well, I do see you have a guest in the studio today. Who are we speaking with and what's today's topic? Well, this morning we have the pleasure of speaking with Andy Barcape, fellow KNZR show host and president of California Retirement Plans. Uh, today I thought I'd pick Andy's brain all about REITs or real estate investment trusts. But before we jump in, I have a little real estate news update for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So, Adelaide, do you remember a few months back I told everyone about home buyers using Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to purchase homes? Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yes, yes. Well, if you have been paying attention to the cryptocurrency market at all, you would know that crypto has tanked. Um, So, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, let me bring you up to speed. Um, Let me talk some basics first. Mm -hmm. What is cryptocurrency? Well, it is a digital, encrypted, and decentralized medium or method of exchange. So unlike the U.S. dollar or the euro, there is no central authority that manages and maintains the value of a cryptocurrency. Instead, those tasks are broadly distributed among a cryptocurrency's users via the Internet. Hmm. Now, you can use crypto to buy regular goods and services, Although most people invest in cryptocurrencies just as they would in other assets like stocks or precious metals. So while cryptocurrency is a novel and exciting asset class, purchasing it, it can be risky. And you really must complete a fair amount of research to understand how each system fully works. Mm. So Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency and... It was first outlined in principle by a gentleman named Satoshi Nakamoto. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too much. Um, In a 2008 paper entitled Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. So Nakamoto described the project as an electronic payment system based on cryptographic proof instead of trust. Hmm. Bitcoin remains the leader for the cryptocurrency sector. It hit an all-time high of more than $68,000 in November of 2021, when the overall value of the cryptocurrency market at that time was close to $3 trillion. Now, in the months since, however, most major cryptocurrencies have fallen by more than 70%. And I'm telling you, I can see that and feel it in my portfolio. Um, Bitcoin itself has dropped below $18,000. Huge, huge drop. Now, it's best to keep in mind that buying individual cryptocurrencies are similar to buying individual stocks. So in essence, they are risk assets. And I like to refer to investing in cryptocurrencies as being similar to riding a roller coaster with large appreciations followed by sudden dips, Ooh. right? Volatility in these currencies is endemic. There are bubbles and crashes. They are commonplace, in fact. And there are divisive opinions on environmental, ethical, mm. and social benefits. 
the major correction in this market, frankly, has tested, I think, the will of even the most avid crypto enthusiasts. Oh, yeah. And I like the fact you said risk assets. It, There's a risk involved. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just just about with everything, there is risk involved. Mm-hmm. So it, it all depends on how risk tolerant you are. Mm-hmm. And something that I think Andy will speak to a little later. So exactly how can you use cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin? Well, one way it can be used is to invest in real estate. Like I said, we talked about this just a few months ago on the show. However, the global use of Bitcoin for real estate payments, frankly, it's nearly evaporated as the crypto market continues to crash. Oh, boy. So after seeing this explosive growth over the last few years, the use of cryptocurrencies to pay for real estate has practically come to what I would call a standstill. Um, as we look at this decline in the value of digital assets. Um, In fact, over the last five years, worldwide cryptocurrency payments for residential and commercial real estate have increased from almost nothing to about $100 But after this strong growth, the use of cryptocurrency to pay for real estate has declined dramatically Due to this seventy percent decline mm. in crypto's value, yeah, I won't take I won't take rent in crypto. Yeah, <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart man. Point. Not at this point. Okay. <laughs> so, for all our cutting edge investors out there, let's keep an eye on this trend. Um, you know, people have predicted this was the wave of the future. Um, so, I think it, as we move forward, it will be interesting to see what really happens to the value of the various cryptocurrencies, and what role they're going to play in future real estate transactions. Yes. Very interesting stuff, Lori. we got to keep an eye on that because I feel like it's not the end of cryptocurrency. No, no I don't think so at all. it's a big dip. A big dip to it watch. Is. Yes, yes. So, Well, I think it's time for us to take a quick break. Let our listeners process all the crypto information we just provided uh, them with. And I'm ready to take a break. How about you? You betcha, Um, because that is an awful lot of stuff to process. And um, I think it's almost time to bring in our amazing guest, uh, no stranger to the KNZR audience, Mr. Andy Barkate, who will talk with us about more stable and traditional investments, REITs, or real estate investment trusts, and so much more. But like you said, before we do that, let's take a short break. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch, request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number 10 in North America for Coldwell Banker last year and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here 
on KNZR. The times we're living in are unparalleled, and it's affected all of us. It's made us feel uneasy and alone. Americans who need to sell their home or have to move and buy a new home are experiencing tremendous stress right now. And I know it's scary and overwhelming, but there is a solution. I'm fortunate to work with some of the top agents in America, agents who are going to tell you the truth, who will give you the best advice that's right for you. Right now, you need to work with an agent that can bring solutions for you. You have the help of somebody that can help you really make an informed decision. Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group at Caldwell Banker. You may want to take a cash offer or maybe it's time to upgrade your home and get it ready to sell in the summer. Maybe you should just hold tight and refinance. You do have options and you deserve to work with a great agent who does business with the highest integrity. Call Lori McCarty at 665-SOLD or online at themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And Lori, before we jump into our topic today, we had a listener ask a question. The person wrote in saying they wanted to sell, but they felt their home needed some improvements prior to listing. They said these outstanding repairs were holding them back. Do you have any advice for them? You know, Adelaide? This is a concern that we hear all the time from our sellers. Um, so my advice to this particular uh, person is give our office a call. We've talked about this before, but I have an, an exclusive program designed to, to help them. Hmm, that sounds intriguing. Can you tell us more about the program, Lori? Oh, of course. It's what we like to uh, refer to as MLOC or the McCarty Line of Convenience. We can also call it a line of comfort, a line of creativity, a line of completion. You could call it a line of construction or a line of, of change. Just don't call it a loan because it's not, and my attorney would get very upset with me <laughs> if you did. It is something that is exclusive to the McCarty Group, and it allows sellers to access their money prior to the close of escrow so that necessary repairs to their home can be done prior to listing it on the market. That way, sellers get as high of a sales price as possible for their home. Hmm, what about interest? Do you charge anything for using the program? Well, you know, I wish I did, but <laughs> no, I do not. Um, that would kind of defeat the purpose. Mm. It, it's part of our way of giving back. And frankly, we think MBlock is a better option than those high interest credit cards or the awful terms that people have to pay for personal loans. Um, that many people have had to rely on in the past so that they could put their home in the best possible marketing condition. Because we all know that buyers are looking for turnkey properties, and turnkey properties tend to give you top dollar pricing. So with MLOC, there's no interest rate, there's no catch, 
There is no fee associated with it. Awesome. It sounds too good to be true. (laughs) So who finds the contractors and arranges the work to be done? Well, first of all, it is not too good to be true. It is just part of my gratitude for having been blessed by this community. And the best part of all of this is that I will personally evaluate your property and make recommendations as to what repairs or improvements need to be made so that your home can sell for top dollar. And here's what I think is really the greatest part is our team manages the process for you. They monitor the timelines and they keep you informed the entire way. We try to take the headache out of it because at the McCarty Group, we're all about creating a seamless transaction. Wow. What an innovative way to solve this problem and to help your clients. It sounds like a great option for sellers to have. I mean, if they're wanting to maximize their investment. We think so. Um, that's, that's kind of our goal for them. Awesome. And so, are you ready to introduce your guest? <laughs> Definitely. So, without further ado, I'm honored and privileged to introduce our guest today, Andy Barkate president of California Retirement Plans and host of Retiring in America here on KNZR on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m., just before our show. So, Andy, how are you doing this morning? Lori, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. we are delighted to have you. Anytime we can be inside an Uh air-conditioned studio Uh in Bakersfield this Uh time of the year, I'm happy to be here. 100%. Um, So, for those people who are just tuning in, Mm Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, those of you that didn't tune in the prior hour, (laughs) if you're not tired of hearing me already, California Retirement Plans is a financial planning firm, and we spend most of our time doing retirement planning, which means we're looking at everything, everything Mm -hmm. except probably real estate. Okay. We're looking at taxes, 401ks, IRA accounts, uh, how to maximize Social Security and pensions. We're looking at Medicare. We're trying to put everything together so somebody can get make sure they're moving in the right direction for retirement and they can get there with confidence they know where their income is going to come from they know their taxes are minimized they know their investments are safe and they can just kind of slowly get through their retired life and enjoy it uh, because we know things bad will happen out there just like we're dealing with right now why can't it be a perfect world you know it, it it usually is financially but it just doesn't always last as long as we'd like it to right but if you have good income, if your income's solid, just like if your job is solid, things can be going crazy around you and you may not like them and it might worry you, but you'll get through it. And it's the same with retirement. Income is king, but there's a whole lot of planning that goes into that. And um, then tell everybody mm-hmm. who didn't tune in last hour <laughs> about your radio okay. show, Retiring in America. I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. Well, that's nice of you. Thank you. That, that Now I feel so much better. I mean, <laughs> Well, oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah. Our, our the show every Saturday morning talks about. We usually pick apart several different issues, and we just kind of pick them as at random based upon what's happening in the world. We talked a little bit about inflation. We talked about market volatility just a few minutes ago. And next week, we'll probably figure out oh Thursday, Friday, what we want to talk about next Saturday. But we're trying to just pick apart different things, answer questions. We're always offering different bits of information to people that they can get and get their hands on and read about to answer their questions. And as you do also, we always invite them to call the office. A lot of people ask specific questions. Mm -hmm. They want to spend just a few minutes on the phone just to get an answer. And we always encourage that. Absolutely. 
Um, I have always found you to be incredibly helpful when I've Thank had you. a question. Thank you. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so today, I thought it might be important uh, to focus our discussion on real estate investment trusts. Mm-hmm. REITs. REITs. Um, tell us exactly what is a REIT for a REIT, those of us who don't know. A REIT know. is, I guess, a, in a in a 30,000-foot view, I guess, uh, explanation, a REIT is a securitized piece of real estate. In other words, that you're buying shares of stock, but that okay. stock is is representative of a company, a structure that owns real estate of, of many different types. Could mm-hmm. be resi- could be multi-unit properties, could be warehouse, could be uh, commercial properties, could be mortgage, could be a lot of different things. And are there various different types of REITs? Yeah. They'll they're des- most all REITs are designed to provide income. By and large, they're always an income generator. Okay. And we'll talk about taxes in a few minutes, but you can get REITs to kind of dovetail what you believe you want to have your money in. For example, if you want to, you believe multifamily housing is a place to be, you can find REITs that'll just primarily specialize in that, or warehouse property, or maybe commercial building. You can find REITs that are more, um, regionalized some that may do more of their business in the southwest in the northeast so you can really kind of pick apart what you like to invest your money in from a real estate standpoint Mm -hmm. and by and large those REITs are going to be designed to hopefully get some appreciation because of the real estate Mm -hmm. there could be some tax advantages with the cash flow in some cases right but in most cases people are looking at those REITs as, uh, as income generators they typically pay a pretty good dividend okay and how would somebody go about deciding I want to be in this REIT or that REIT? In a lot of cases, again, it goes back to income. So if you're if you're an income investor, in other words, mm-hmm. you're getting ready to retire or maybe you're not retiring, you just want to have money in something that's going to generate cash flow, then you may, you may want to look at yields, dividends. But then again, you want to go a step deeper, just like if you were buying an individual security, mm-hmm. a stock, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that if, the, if you're looking for a dividend, that company that you're buying that's producing that dividend is, is in pretty good financial shape because dividends aren't guaranteed. Right. right. They can change. They can change. So if you're going to pick one, you may decide maybe with the help of a, a knowledgeable person in real estate, mm-hmm. maybe by the help of a financial advisor, you can actually look at a few and they could put together maybe a, a short list to pick from mm-hmm. and then do a little homework. It just, I've always, I've always said if people did as much homework before they bought stock, as they did before they went out and spent their money and bought maybe a rental. Uh-huh. I mean, people will probably spend hours and hours and hours researching which part of town they want to be in, what house they want to buy, uh, you know, look at inside of it, figure out what the repairs might be, what their cost. They spend hours of time, but they'll go and, and buy a stock on a tip from their, their buddy at work. And Absolutely. Do, do zero research. And then when they lose money, they're kind of they, they're kind of turned off about the whole idea mm-hmm. of investing in oh well that be- didn't work right they, they, they took a flyer and it bit them and they just didn't really put any time and effort into it if you do a little bit of homework you can actually make pretty good decision do, and do pretty well over the long run and i assume that that is something that you are able we, to help we have a with. wonderful investment team with years of experience and that's pretty much what they do okay i spend most of my time on the the financial planning side where we're doing cash flow, taxes, mm-hmm. building the income streams. And I enjoy that. It's like mm-hmm. putting a puzzle together mm-hmm. every time. 
but your investment team can help them decide mm-hmm. based on their risk assessment because mm-hmm. I would imagine that's also that's a, a huge part. Well, risk assessment, time horizon. Are you mm-hmm. are you retired? In this money you want to invest, you may want to have it liquid for some other purpose. Mm-hmm. Six months from now, or maybe six years from now, that all goes into that decision, and they do have. We do have investment models that that are primarily REITs. Wow! So there's a whole slate of prepackaged REITs that are watched and managed, and and it's designed for cash flow, like That's I mentioned wonderful. earlier. So, mm-hmm. And so, um, typically, on average, how many properties does? Oh, it can go all over the board. It can be anywhere from maybe just a dozen or two to hundreds. Wow! Depending on the REIT, depending okay. on the REIT, and it can be either. We specialize predominantly in single-family rentals or commercial property or a wide variety. It could be, and even make it more complicated, they are REITs of REITs. What? <laughs> you've okay. heard of, you've Ooh, heard you of, just saw yeah. my mind get yeah. blown. You, uh-huh. You've heard of the, a, a, a mutual fund, which is basically a fund of funds. Right. Where they're basi- a fund is, is basically buying other funds, selecting other mutual funds to buy and hold. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same with a REIT. There can be a REIT that is basically holding other REITs. Wow. But the important thing about a REIT, and what, what there has to be one of the qualifications that the IRS has that, to be called a REIT mm-hmm. is you've got to distribute just about all of the income you make, actually okay. at least 90% of it. So the, all those rents, all those dollars that are coming in have to be distributed out to the shareholders in the form of revenue. Now, there's some, there's some costs there, and of course mm-hmm. they're going to cover mm-hmm. those costs. But again, it's designed to be something that's going to generate a cash flow. And by law, they have to send it all out. They can't just hold the earnings if they want to. Uh, a lot of REITs pay out all their cash flow. So they're, as a, the REIT itself is a, is a tax-free entity, is a, is a corporate entity. Mm-hmm. But all the revenue goes out to the, uh, the shareholders. And they will pay tax of some sort on that revenue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. This has yeah. been some great information. Yeah. And a, I, simple, simple, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Clear as mud. <laughs> no, it actually, you have you have elucidated a lot of this for me. Good. Um, and I think this is a great place to take a short break. Sure. Let everybody reset their brain, <laughs> process what we've heard. Uh, but before we do, mm-hmm. tell everyone how they can reach you. Thank you. The easiest way to get us is simply just dial 491-1111. We have that number so it can be very easily remembered by everybody mm-hmm. driving around town, like I'm sure you are right now. Uh, just call the office. Yeah, again, it's Saturday, so we're not going to be there. Just leave us a message and we'll call you back on, on Monday morning and answer some of your questions. For Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You bet. So we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. Hey, you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. 
She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD. Online, themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing. Listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Andy Barkate, president of California Retirement Plans and host of Retiring in America. And Andy, tell us, uh, our listeners, one more time how they can reach you the easiest way to get us, us here in town is just simply call us at 491-1111 and of course it's saturday so you can just leave us a message and we'll just call you back on on monday morning and just set up a quick time to answer your questions by phone excellent thank mm-hmm. you for that and one question i was thinking about earlier when we talked in segment two about the dividends the mm-hmm. returns how do the dividends work and and is it something substantial or is it you know well, a dividend is just another form of income. It's income or, or, or cash flow that the corporation is, is, is generating, in this case usually by rents, that they're going to pay out to the shareholder. And then, of course, the shareholder gets that money as income, and they can go spend it and enjoy life. Okay. But the dividends in a lot of cases can be 5%, 7%, 8%. Oh. So they are some pretty solid dividend payers out there. Okay. And that, of course, is a whole lot more than the uh, – the local bank or credit union are yes. going to give us. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, I mean, the, the REITs are shares of stock. They're okay. typically not as volatile as the stock market in general, but they still can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. So you can buy a REIT for $10 a share, and it may be, a year from now, it may be 12 it may be 8 just depending on the what's, what's unfolding in the economy. So mm-hmm. why is it that, your personal opinion, mm-hmm. or maybe there's fact to mm-hmm. back it up, that you think that REITs are not as volatile as the stock market? A lot of cases because of that cash flow. Okay. That cash flow will give them a bit of a cushion. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, this has got nothing to do with REITs, but if you look over the last six months, and the last six months of the market has not been a fun six months. No, it hasn't. The the stocks that are paying good dividends, mm-hmm. you know, general good dividend payers, have held up a whole lot better than the market in general because those stocks typically have pretty solid balance sheets. They're typically mm-hmm. more mature companies. And the, the shareholders, the investing public, likes the income. So mm-hmm. that dividend will, it doesn't mean the stock's not going to fluctuate, but it typically will allow the downside to be somewhat buffered. Now, see, that is the stockbroker or the financial planner mm-hmm. side of it. The realtor side of it says, because they're investing in real estate. And that is a part of it, too. That is mm-hmm. definitely a part of it. And we all know... Rising rates, and there's a lot of speculation as to what that's going to do to the price of real estate. And 
the stock market is more of a discounting mechanism. It's right. not looking at what's really happening now. It's looking at the information we're getting now and what it might do to values six months, nine months down the road. And it's probably doing that with REITs as well. Yeah. Mm. Now there are tax implications. There. <laughs> Aren't they <laughs> always? <laughs> Can you breathe without tax implications? Yeah, that, that four-letter yes. word we, we love. Right. Don't forget those. <laughs> well, dividends... Dividends are typically, and I'm going to tell you how dividends work, and then I'm going to basically start being confusing again. Dividends are typically paid out of a, of a company every quarter, and for REITs, it's usually quarterly and sometimes monthly. Mm-hmm. Dividends are usually taxed at a, prefer, a preferential tax rate of, of long-term capital gains. So maybe instead of ordinary income, you're paying uh, taxes at a lower rate, usually around 15% federal. So, but REITs are a bit different. A lot of the, the cash flow coming out of the REITs is going to be considered ordinary income. Tax it just your normal mm-hmm. tax bracket. Some will be considered true dividends and taxed at that preferential rate. Some might even be capital gains, depending on if there's any buying and selling of the real estate properties within the, within the REIT itself. So the, the 1099 that you'll receive at the end of the year after you've got these dividends, we'll, we'll describe that. Because mm-hmm. you, you as a, a shareholder have no idea of how much is going to be ordinary income, how much is regular dividend, and so on. So they'll describe it. But you can, if, if the tax implications are important, and they typically are to most of us, mm-hmm. then you want to check the REIT, and, and they'll tell you how, that, how their dividend is going to be classified as far as taxable income. But um, just another point, those of you that are, that are investing in retirement accounts, IRAs, 401Ks, different company plans, uh, don't worry about the taxes, at least not from the investments. I mean, the, the dividends you're going to get are going to be tax-deferred because they're inside of that IRA. Now, eventually, you're going to pay tax on those at, mm-hmm. at uh, ordinary income rates when you are, are taking the income out one day when you retire. But don't worry so much about the tax implications of the REIT uh, while you're holding it in the, uh, inside the IRA. But if it's outside of an IRA, you probably want to ask that question and try to get some answers on how those dividends are going to be taxed. Great points. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> give us a little bit of history. Mm-hmm. Tell us why REITs were created. REITs came around back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it had to do with an act that was actually called the Cigar Act, I think, believe it or not. Really? I have no clue what it has to do with cigars, but <laughs> that's kind of what created the ability to, to securitize real estate. Mm-hmm. Now, all the details I'm not, well, I'm not real clear on, but that's where they came from back in the 60s. And they've gotten to be a bigger and bigger piece of the stock market. There's, there's virtually just about every large mutual fund company, you know, Fidelity, mm-hmm. Vanguard, on and on, will have one or more REITs. Okay. Some are domestic, some are international. Okay. Uh, you have a lot of individual REIT uh, promoters that have set up their own REITs. Okay. So there's there's hundreds and hundreds of REITs available that you can buy. Perfect. And do these individual REITs mm-hmm. limit share ownership? Typically, no. Now, not okay. that I've seen. Typically, no. Uh, buying shares of a publicly traded company is a very democratic process. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You, you, you have a certain amount of money to invest. You can buy a certain amount of shares. Okay. And you get a certain amount of votes based upon the number of shares you own because again your own shares of stock so you're going to be 
you're going to be asked to make certain decisions because they're going to have annual meetings and all those types of things. You're going to get proxy statements uh, for different items that are going to be voted on. And you, if you have 100 shares, you get 100 votes. If you have 1,000 shares, you get 1,000 votes and so on. But I've never heard of a REIT that has a publicly traded REIT okay. that has a, a cap on ownership. Now, there are a lot of non-traded REITs and a lot of non-public REITs. Okay. And they might have some sort of cap on ownership, depending on the size. Okay. So those typically, they can be, they may, they, they may be a good investment. However, their liquidity is going to be somewhat diminished. Mm-hmm. You know, a publicly traded REIT, you can buy it today, sell it tomorrow. Right. Something that's not uh, publicly traded, they usually have a hold period, and that'll vary mm-hmm. five years, seven years in that range. But they're, uh, they can be possibly a good investment. But I tend to like something where you've got liquidity. Absolutely. If you like it, you can buy more. Right. If you don't like it, you can get rid of it Goodbye. five minutes from now. Right. Yep. right. Absolutely. So tell us about the mm-hmm. tax advantages of owning a Okay. Well, some of the tax advantages might be in that cash flow. Mm-hmm. And the other tax advantages would be just the sheer type of real estate they're buying the cash flow you're getting might be somewhat tax deferred. Okay. Or just going to, let, me rephr- let me rephrase that. Tax advantaged. Because mm-hmm. there may be depreciation, other operating expenses. So you may be getting, say, a 7% cash flow, but 2% of it is tax advantaged. So you're only going to get taxed on five, not the full seven. So Makes perfect sense. There, it, it's not as clean as buying a, a rental property. Correct. Where you're going to have direct expenses, your direct uh, depreciation. This is a little bit more of a simpler approach. Right. Less which, hands off. Which for, for those those people who have been the hands-on investor mm-hmm. for the last 20 years right. and have seen the rental market change are frustrated because I run into a lot of folks that have said, I've done my time. I'm I'm tired of being a landlord. I'd like to sell this property. Okay. Um, how does that work for? I mean, is for a REIT is a REIT a a nice normal you know like a a good transition for them? Well, if you're asking if it can be a 1031 potential, I, I don't, I don't yet, believe so. I'm, but I, I believe was so. going to get there. If you if you're going to sell that rental property, of course you're probably going to pay some capital gain, depending mm-hmm. on how much money you made. Hopefully not a lot. But the REIT, if you buy a REIT, let's say you buy it at $10 a share and you get that cash flow for a number of years, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay tax on the cash flow depending on how it's distributed to you. And when you sell that REIT one day, let's say if you sell it for $15 a share, there's going to be a capital gain, a long-term capital gain of that $5 you made, just like selling any other type of stock. But for your, your customer that sold a piece of rental property, now they've got that chunk of money. Could they transition into something like a REIT? Sure, sure. But again, they may, depending on how this, the transaction happens, they may pay the tax on that property they sell before they want to transition into a REIT. So taxes are always something you want to consider before you, actually before you close the transaction. Absolutely. One of the things, I've been doing a little bit of research, and I, I probably have to talk to an attorney, mm-hmm. um, but... Some of what I'm hearing is that if you sell rental property, and this is where mm-hmm. I was going to, 
I was thinking my first question was more of a, gosh, if I'm tired of the headaches of managing property individually, but I still believe in the value of real estate, Mm -hmm. doesn't it seem logical I would then invest in REITs because I believe in the value of real estate. Here is a stock that is investing Mm -hmm. in real estate. Let somebody else deal with those hassles. But from the 1031 standpoint, some of the research I've done preliminarily says that if you 1031 into a Delaware statutory trust, Mm -hmm. that you can then, that trust can purchase REITs, making it a 1031 um, exchange where you are tax deferred. Um, have you heard anything like that, or do I need to research that? A little I would more? research a little bit more. I, again, a ten thirty one exchange usually, you know, income producing property to income producing property, like, like, to, like. to like, right, mm-hmm. like to like. And now you're going from a, a piece of real estate to a trust, which that trust itself is buying a REIT or maybe even another asset. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about that. And when that, none that, of us want to get where, in trouble need, with the IRS, yeah, right, that is right? where we need somebody with a little bit of a, a tax and a legal hat. Okay. Uh, but it would be a wonderful way to be able to do that is to set up that trust, sell the property, have the assets go there. And now you've got the ability to maybe buy a REIT, maybe to just maybe there's another ways you can invest the money and keep it tax deferred. But I'd be interested to find out what the what the uh, well, what the particulars are about that statutory trust. Is that money just deferred indefinitely? That tax is it indefinite right. or is it a period right. of time? Uh, what we usually run into and what we will have our clients take a look at when this comes into it is a is an opportunity zone. And we talked oh, a bit about that on the yeah, break. But yeah. an, opportunity, an opportunity zone is basically real estate in itself because an opportunity zone is buying some sort of real estate which meets certain federal requirements and they get some wonderful tax advantages. Well, there's ETFs, exchange-traded exchange funds, ETF, mm-hmm. that are set up uh, to be at Opportunity Zone. So you can actually buy the Opportunity Zone just like you buy a share of stock or a, or a REIT. Okay. But the the way that some of them are set up, and some of them vary, so this is just in general. Mm-hmm. The If you sell an asset, could be real estate, could be stock, could be a company, mm-hmm. your, your business, you can take those gains, the gains only, you don't have to actually put the whole value of the asset in the, uh, you know, the uh, Opportunity Zone. Oh, that's But nice. you can now defer that gain. It's not a 1031, and it's not right. quite as clean as a 1031. Usually an opportunity zone allows you to defer the gains for a specific period of time. Okay. Maybe five years, six years, depending on the, the, the particular one you're buying. So if you sell a property today, take the game. Say you sell a million-dollar piece of property and half of it is gain. Mm-hmm. You can take the money you've made, the half a million dollars, move it to the opportunity zone, and now that gain is deferred. Okay. It's deferred. And you've got, in this case, let's say it's five years. You've got five years to declare the game. So Mm -hmm. five years from today, the game will be declared. Or you can slowly, over maybe five years, declare a little bit of it every year and kind of plan on it. So if you have a... 20% each year. Or Mm -hmm. if you have a year where your income is lower than normal, Mm -hmm. you may declare more gain. Mm -hmm. So there's ways you can plan for it. And it allows you to, like you say, if you have a client that wants... Like you said, they've been there, done that. They've done their time. They don't want the management, but they also don't want to take a big taxable event mm-hmm. at one year. They can take and stretch it and hopefully spread out that tax liability and keep some of the money in their pocket. That's fantastic. It's just, just different things to do. I mean, we, we try to bring tax advantages to our clients 
mainly in retirement planning, but there's so many different, I guess, programs, ideas, theories that you can use in the tax code that that most of us have never heard about. And right. It, it's not that they're exciting. It's not that they're uh, uh, confusing or, or oblique. It's just that they're, you haven't ever asked the question, so you don't know the answer you can use. But there's a lot of the ways you can actually slowly use two or three different ideas and hopefully keep more money in your back pocket. So let's, um, I want to ask you a couple mm. of other questions sure. about REITs, and then I mm. want to shift gears for a second. Um, <laughs> silly question, I'm sure, but are there any risks? Yes, to of course, in REITs? of course. Okay. I mean, a REIT is a share of stock. Right. So the market can push the stock. It, it may even take very good companies that are running on all eight cylinders, and a bad market is, can still push them down. Right. I mean, they're, they're doing wonderfully, but it's the, the value is still going to fall. And the underlying uh, premise of the company, in this case real estate, can also make the, that, that particular holding fall. Right. If you're, let's say it's a, a REIT that typically buys residential properties, maybe multifamily, mm -hmm. and you've got a high interest rate environment, maybe it's concentrated in one area of the country, um, many things could change that. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it can lose value. It can It can also go up. But right. we're ne we never worry about things going up. That's no, wonderful. No, we don't. <laughs> we worry about the things that are, could, could, go, could go wrong. And in a lot of cases, it could be something happening to the REIT itself, mm -hmm. maybe where they're invested, the type of holdings they have. Uh, it could be something that's more economic in general, like, <laughs> like rising interest rates and inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, that could basically cause the value of the asset to come down some. So again... It's going to fluctuate. You just have to know that. But then again, that rental property that you might have, it's also going to fluctuate. Absolutely. You, you just don't see it on a statement every month. Right. So, but it does fluctuate. So you've got to understand that there's risk in just about everything. There sure is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you cross the street, there's risk involved there. Is. There. there is. Right? Um, so when it comes to investing, I, I know you talk frequently about having a portfolio mm -hmm. and how important that is right um so what are some other things that uh, people should invest in other than REITs as they prepare for retirement oh I think having a a diversified somewhat non-correlated portfolio would be something that most people should strive to you know, diversified, Explain we all, we all know what that is, right? Non-correlation right. is kind of a different term. Mm -hmm. But diversification, we know we just have different types of assets. Now, what we will get that, that will come into our office routinely is somebody will come in and they'll have a maybe a retirement account, they may have a, a brokerage account, and they toss the statements out on my desk, and they say, well, I'm pretty diversified. And I'll look, and they've got, <laughs> you know, they've got some stocks, a handful of mutual funds, and I'll look and I say, you're not diversified. And you've had a bunch of different holdings, but they're all in the same asset class. Mm -hmm. They're all pretty much stock. So mm -hmm. stock, different shares of stock, different companies, from a value point of view, are highly correlated. They go okay. up and down together, typically. Right. Just because one is a, an energy stock and the other one might be a transportation stock, they're both still stock and they're going to go up and down with the market. Non-correlation is having assets in there that really are different. For example... Real estate could be one of those assets. It really is. Uh, metals, gold, other types of uh, industrial metals. Uh, you want to have things there. Maybe maybe bonds would be something. The bonds typically are somewhat non-correlated to the stock market, but the last six months they've been very highly correlated. They're mm -hmm. both going down. 
So having something that's having a portfolio that's diversified and also not highly correlated is important. If you've got a bunch of assets that you have a lot of diversification, but they're highly correlated, they're going to all go up at the same time. But by and large, they're all going to go down at the same time also. So you want to split that out. So one asset class is somewhat supporting the other in a bad market. So you have a little bit more stability of return. And it's something, our investment team is very good at that. It's something we kind of take, well, we've been doing it for years, so it's second nature. But when you talk about, like you say, correlation, mm-hmm. a lot of people out there listening may have a, they're probably scratching their head going, what the heck does what that mean? What is that? Yeah, I've right. heard about it, but what does it mean? But right. you don't want to have the same things is really what it means. Okay. And for purposes of this discussion, mm-hmm. uh, mutual funds, stock portfolio, those are the same thing. In a lot of cases, you can have five or six well your 401k is a good example you might have 20 different mutual fund options in your 401k sometimes you've got a lot more than that but there's large cap stocks small cap there may be some uh technology portfolios those are all stock and you Mm -hmm. may have you may own a little bit of piece of all of them but you're still all in the stock market so you're going to be highly correlated to get in a 401k to probably try to get some non-correlation you might you may want to have some bonds even though i'm not a fan of bonds at all right now because rates are going up mm-hmm. uh, if you have if you have mutual funds in your portfolio that are more sector funds like uh something that might be in real estate something that might be in precious metals something that might be uh in tips which are inflation protected bonds those are things you may be able to use to kind of make your portfolio a little less correlated to each other. But yeah, having a bunch of different stock funds, it looks good on paper and it's great when the market's going up. But right now, if you're set up that way and you listening probably know if you are, you may be Mm -hmm. shaking your head, Mm -hmm. uh, they've gone down. You're probably not a happy camper. No, no, not at all. Um, So that would lead to my next question, which is when should uh, individuals start saving and investing for retirement i had somebody tell me this probably 30 plus years ago mm-hmm. and uh, he since passed away he was an he was an orthodontist here in town an old orthodontist he said the first time you should start saving for retirement is when you get your first job yep and i, I, I kind of figured scr- that's what yeah. you were going to say and he i kind of scratched my head when he said it and i thought about it a little bit I go, he's right Absolutely. I mean, if you're, of course, you're not making a whole lot of money back then right. when you had your first job. But if you can just start, I mean, $100 a month. And I can remember when I was doing that myself. My, my father, an old math teacher, I won't bore you with the project he made me do to learn about the stock market. But uh, he made me start, he made me research and start buying mutual funds when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Now, if anybody's ever gone through that college experience, you, you realize that Every nickel you have is important at that point in life, right? Mm -hmm. So he made me start investing $100 a month back then. And (laughs) this is a long time ago. $100 back then bought a whole lot of pizza and beer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, of course, didn't think I could survive if I took this extra $100 and just put it away. And it probably took maybe five or six months till I realized nothing changed. Right. I mean, I was saving a few dollars. I was still doing what I typically did socially. And I, I tell that story to people a lot because we all think the same way. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money to take that extra few dollars and squirrel it away. But um, time, adding money to a portfolio, a 
little bit of return adds up to be a whole lot of money. It sure Time does. is a big deal. So Time is the most important yes, factor, is yes. it not? Mm-hmm. And so for all those people who have heard you on Saturday mornings um, for years now, mm-hmm. um, gosh, how much do they have to have saved up? How big does their portfolio have to be before they call you? Before Andy? they come to us, because the way we operate, it's it's going to be probably around a hundred thousand or more just to get some good diversification. But but don't let that stop you from starting yourself. I mean, if you're young listening to this, if you haven't used your company four hundred one k, use it. I mean, that's in a lot of cases you're going to get a company match. So if you're not using it, you're giving away free money. That's not smart at all. But you can just simply set up a mutual fund. I mean, you can literally put $25 a month in something like that and set it up on an auto deposit, and it will grow over time. And as you realize that, yes, you're saving some money, which is a good thing, and at the same time, you realize, okay, my life hasn't changed a bit because I'm saving money, I'm not starving, then hopefully as you make a few more dollars as the years go on, you'll add more money to that. We've got, I can't tell how many clients that come to us, and they're millionaires. Mm-hmm. They've got, I mean, a big, they've got some big 401ks, uh, big IRA accounts, and they didn't win the lottery. They didn't inherit it. It just took 30 plus years to get there. Right. They started out a little bit at a time, added, invested it, watched it, didn't forget about it, and tried to, to do the right thing over the long run. And that constant adding of money mm-hmm. and a little bit of growth plus time ends up to a whole bunch of money. It ends up to be a very large amount of money. So that's how you become a millionaire. I guess you could do it uh, the more difficult way, win the lottery or inherit it. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say buy crypto, but that's another no. story. <laughs> we get that question. We were talking about we, that this earlier, we, we, right? We get, we get that question a lot. Then I run usually when I hear that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, I've always been more of a traditionalist. You, you just... You put a plan together that you can live with, that, that is within your means, and you just work that plan for years. And almost in every case, it's going to work out for you. Absolutely. Um, this has been some fantastic information. Adelaide, you have any questions I, for Andy? I've got a bunch, but I know we're, <laughs> due to time, I want to narrow it down to a couple. Time? <laughs> these, things are, these, these things are timed? These things, we could run out of time. But one thing I was thinking about, Andy, mm-hmm. is uh, paying off the home or mm-hmm. investing. Great question. I get it a lot, mm. and there's not a. There's, I, I don't think there's a great answer to it. I'm 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 a big believer in not having debt, mm-hmm. especially when you start to be close to retirement. You know, when you're paying off debt and you're paying off bills, that's just income that you can't spend on yourself. It's it's obligated to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So if you can pay a, a home off, uh, which is usually one of your biggest bills, usually, mm-hmm. if you can pay off a home and have it not use most of your liquid assets then it becomes a pretty i think it's a pretty tough uh pretty pretty tough decision not to make i would Mm -hmm. we tell people all the time if you can pay that home off and you are not spending the majority of your assets you still got plenty of liquid assets available pay it off Mm -hmm. be done with it right Mm -hmm. it just makes your your life much more flexible i Mm -hmm. mean if if things get a little tough you don't have to worry about paying your mortgage because Mm -hmm. it's done Right. Now, a lot of people will ask us also, Adelaide, just a second add on to that question. They, they'll come in and say, Can I, should I take money out of my 401k to pay my house off? Uh-huh. Different question. Mm-hmm. And I usually say, and again, everybody's going to be different, so we have to look at the scenario. Usually I would say no. 
Because if you say you need $100,000 to pay your house off, and now your expenses go down by, let's say, $1,500 a month, that's great. But if you're going to take money out of that 401k, you're probably going to have to take somewhere out of maybe about 150 out to pay all the taxes to net Oof. that 100. That hurts. Okay. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah. So well, well, we usually try to put maybe another, I guess, another plan together to try to beef up their cash flow to, over a, a shortened period of years, add additional money to that mortgage payment to, to kill the mortgage mm-hmm. that way, and it spreads that tax liability out. But there's, there's always usually one or two or three ways to skin the cat. Mm. And you kind of want to look at all of them so you can figure out which one might fit you and how your situation okay. is unfolding. Great, because, yeah, I'm a beer and pizza guy, too. It's been a few <laughs> years since college, but I'm still into it. But thank you so much. And my, la- my last question, well, my second question, which REIT can I invest in to get rich quick? <laughs> Let's see, I think, I think there was, I, I did hear the other day of a Bitcoin REIT. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. Yeah, I'm okay, glad you're laughing. I, I did not hear that. And don't ever, do not quote me on that at all. <laughs> That's great, Adelaide. That's thank you. Awesome. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for taking My pleasure time being here. Today. Thank you, Lori. Hey, it has been a pleasure. And I know I have learned a lot about REITs <laughs> and I hope our audience has. I hope they have too. Um, you are just a wealth of information. Before we go, tell our listeners one more time how to reach Easiest you. way to find us is 491-1111. Perfect. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Andy. Mm-hmm. So a heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every week. Today we've connected you with Andy Barcade, president of California Retirement Plans and host of Retiring in America. Hopefully we've helped you understand real estate investment trust a little bit better and motivated you to stop blowing your money on dumb stuff and start investing. Millennials, yes, I am talking to you. No more unnecessary Uber Eat purchases, okay? Go invest instead. So thanks for tuning in. I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Saturday at 11 a.m. And as a quick reminder, you can revisit the details of today's topic or encourage someone who'd benefit from today's information by tuning in to an encore presentation of the show each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR, just before Sean Hannity. Or you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts by searching the Kern County Real Estate Review. Or last but certainly not least, you can listen to them on our website at themccartygroup.com. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Wishing you and yours a blessed day ahead and a fantastic week. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week. Hi, Lori McCarty reminding you to mark your calendars for the first Saturday of each month for our open house, open mic edition of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Tune in at 11 a.m. sharp to get your exclusive backstage pass to our newest open houses hitting the market for the first time that weekend. We'll provide behind-the-scenes tips and chat with my team on location as they bring you Kern County's newest homes. We'll also take your calls and answer your questions, all while sharing the latest in real estate 
news with local industry experts. So don't forget, be sure to tune in the first Saturday of every month for our open house open mic edition here on KNZR.